Listen to WGN Radio's newest podcast, Behind the Badge, Illinois, hosted by David Hochberg. Behind the Badge, Illinois, views current events through the eyes of Illinois law enforcement leaders. Tune in. Visit WGNRadio.com slash Behind the Badge. Dean Richards, Sunday morning, live from Los Angeles this morning. Isn't this music the creepiest music ever? Tubular Bells. Mike Oldfield. Mike Oldfield, yeah. The theme from what most people consider to be the scariest and most disturbing music uh, movie of all time. Uh, and I, I think I may uh, agree with that. A film that was uh, directed by our next guest, uh, the, the great William Friedkin, who also brought us uh, The French Connection among uh, so many so many others. Most recently, um, just as disturbing, a film that was written by uh, the great Tracy Letts, also from Chicago, uh, but directed by uh, Chicago's very own William Friedkin, the movie Killer Joe that uh, I've seen on stage, I don't know how many times, uh, here in Chicago, uh, in mostly storefront theater productions of it. It's a very uh, gritty, it's, it's even hard to describe uh, in a family setting what this is all about. Uh, but William Friedkin made that film as well, NC-17, because he wouldn't tone it down. He, uh, he is a director who knows what he wants to do, he does what he wants to do, and uh, does not change. In fact, you'll hear a very amusing story uh, about when he was making French Connection, how the studios wanted him to change it, and uh, what he did as a result of that. Uh, He visited with us at the WGN-TV Morning News in studio this past week, in the midst, uh, in between, really, of all of the horrific news that was going on this week. Uh, He was supposed to visit with us live. He wasn't able to because that was the day of the Boston Marathon bombing. Uh, we taped an interview with him and uh, played it back later in the week, and he was just fantastic. Uh, what a great guy. Very funny, very personable. Uh, Chicago and true and true. He loves Chicago. And uh, it was a pleasure to welcome him to our WGN microphones. Oh, thanks, Dean. It's a pleasure us. to be here. So I used a, to work in this building. Give us the, give us the WGN uh, history, because you actually started in the mailroom when, when WGN was downtown. Right. Well, I came to get a job right after high school, and I didn't want to go to college. Not because we were poor, but we were poor. I just didn't want to spend another day in a classroom. Yeah. But uh, so I saw an ad in the paper uh, for young men start in the mailroom and work your way up in live television. And uh, I went. I came down to Tribune Tower to the mailroom, met the guy who ran it. He was a guy called Ray Demalski. I applied for a job. He said, "Sit down, kid, and tell me about yourself." And I did. I didn't have much to say. But he said, well, you seem like a nice kid. All right. Uh, you can come in on Monday. $33 a week. Wow, big money. Oh, yeah. And you'll be working six days. I said, great. That sounds terrific. And he told me what, it, what was going on. And then as I was leaving, he said, by the way, are you stupid? <laughs> I said, what do you mean, sir? He said, take a look at that ad that you brought in and that brought you here. Yeah. And I looked at it, and he said, uh, what, you, do you know the address of this place that you're, you're in? I said, 
no, I, I don't. I just know this is the television station. Yeah. He said, you're at 441 North Michigan. Mm-hmm. He said, this is an ad for the station across the street <laughs> in the Wrigley building. How about that? This is the Tribune Tower. Wow. You came to the wrong place. So you accidentally got a job. Absolutely. How about that? My whole career is an accident. How about that? Uh, I mean, if I had gone to WBBM, I might not have gotten the job. Yeah. You know, oddly enough, when uh, we hire people now in the Tribune Company, we still ask people, are you stupid? Do you? And if they are, then they get the job. Yeah, well, it, it makes a lot of sense. qualification. We want yeah. to make sure up front. So what did you do? What, well, what, I let what a shows? lot of people down. In, yeah, you worked in the mailroom, but what show, actual shows did Here's you do? Here's what happened, Dean. If you worked in the mailroom, there were no women. It was literally a male, male room. Yeah. But you'd work in the mailroom, and because there were no schools where you could learn television production of any kind, most of the technicians and guys had come out of radar in the military. Right. But if you wanted to direct and do stuff like that, there were no schools. You had to start at an entry-level job. And after about a year and a half in the mailroom, I became a floor manager, which is uh, you know like an assistant director. Mm-hmm. And a year later, I became a live TV director. I was in my teens. I did Garfield Goose, Lunchtime Little Theater, They Stand Accused, the Chicago Symphony, news programs, cooking shows, everything. So then how did you make the transition then from uh, television to the feature films? I heard about a story about a guy, an African-American, who was on death row for murder at the Cook County Jail. I accidentally heard about his story from the Protestant chaplain at the county jail, and I went down there and met him, and I decided to do a documentary film. I had never made a film, but I wanted to do a documentary to save his life. And that's what the film ultimately accomplished. I asked the guy who was the head of WGN then if he would make the film, and he said, we, we don't want to make films. He said, we, we only do live TV. Right. So I went to a guy named Red Quinlan, who was head of ABC, mm-hmm. Channel 7. Yep. And he put up the money for the film. And I made it. It got this guy out of death row to life imprisonment. He later got out. But my film won all sorts of film festivals, and I was hired by the Walper Company to do documentaries. It's like sort of the uh, ultimate exoneration story that we hear so much about these days of people who are on death row and, and get off because students or filmmakers or somebody dig a little deeper than, right. than the police ever did. You know, people know you best, of course, from The Exorcist and French Connection, uh, among others, although your filmography is, is vast. Did you have any idea... The, the impact The Exorcist was going to have when it came out. No. Still today, people still consider it the most disturbing, the scariest film that's ever been made. Good. That's why they pay to get in. You know, uh, The Exorcist is a great story about the mystery of faith. It's based on an actual case that took place in 1949 in Silver Spring, Maryland. And I saw the diaries of the priests who were involved and the doctors and nurses. And I made the film as a straightforward story of what happened. We changed the gender of the boy to a 12-year-old girl at the request of the Catholic diocese. But did you have any sense whatsoever that you were that it was so profoundly disturbing while no, you were making it. No, because it wasn't disturbing to me, Dean. It was interesting. It was fascinating. Yeah. And I never thought of it as a horror film. 
I thought of it as a, a story about the mystery of faith. The stories uh, that you tell about Mercedes McCambridge, who did the voice, mm-hmm. uh, and the method acting that she went through mm-hmm. in order to create what she went through are disturbing in themselves, but also yeah. kind of amusing. Well, she sat in a chair like this to record the demon voice. She asked me to tie her hands behind her back, <laughs> and she actually sat squat-legged on a chair like this. So she was in a squat position, and she had been an alcoholic and then went through AA. And she said, you know, in order for me to do this, I've got to go off the wagon. I've got a drink. Uh, and I've got to swallow raw eggs wow. and smoke cigarettes. Wow. And she had two priests in the studio with her at all times because she was Catholic and she needed counseling. And she would go into the most outrageous paroxysms and uh, tortured herself to produce that demon voice. And it adds so much to, you know, to the final uh, product. Uh, French Connection uh, is uh, another that we're not going to have time to dig into greatly, but one of the stories that you tell is how the studio wanted you to cut some out, trim it down a little bit. And uh, you took the film back. Well, you tell the story of well, what, wanted, you didn't, what you didn't do. They, they wanted to change it, you know, and I thought it was pretty damn good. <laughs> and, and the guy who was running the studio said, well, you got to cut two frames off this shot and two frames off another yeah. four frames. And I said to my producer, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> uh, he might be the head of the studio, but he's a moron. And I said, and he's, no one knows what's in the two frames that you add. It could be a microphone in the shot. Yeah. It, maybe a light fell down or a guy walked by the camera going like this. Mm-hmm. I said, I couldn't do what he asked. He was going to come back in a week to see the changes. I said to my producer, we're not going to change a thing. When he comes back here, you tell him the changes were great yeah. and everything worked and thank you. And he gave him a hug, and the guy saw the same picture, the same picture he had seen 10 days before. I love that. And he said, well, it's much improved. I love he said, that. but now we need a narration track. I said, oh, yeah, what a great idea. He <laughs> says, I don't understand the picture. So I said, yeah, we'll, we'll do a narration track. And I just shined him on. That's fantastic. That, and and, and then they got dumped, that, those it, guys. That's so Chicago, too. That's just a, you have a vision of what you want to do and you stay with it. That's, that's what I love. Well, that's what you learn in Chicago. Yeah. You know, it's uh, the city that works. It's the city on the make. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, uh, I, everything I learned about the films I've made, I learned right here. And this is still my spiritual home. I would move back here if I could get my wife to do it. But my wife doesn't have as great memories of the city as I do. There are uh, fantastic stories in the Friedkin Connection uh, that is just out. Uh, must read. Must read. And uh, I appreciate thank you, you coming Gene. by. Welcome back home. Oh, uh, thank let's you. Go down so, to the mailroom for old times. Let's sake. go down to the Berghof. Oh, now we're to, talking. Uh, I Mr. Wish. Beef. I wish. Mr. You remember Beef. Mr. Beef? Let's go get a sandwich, you and I. Okay. Wet with sweet peppers. Yeah. Or, <laughs> uh, you know, Pizzeria Uno's oh, not look bad. Look at this. Look at this. You know, all the joints.